Now, speaking of struggles, man, men don't cry. What What are your thoughts on that topic title? Yeah, it's um it's one of the most common things that we talk about when we're obviously talking about uh, um, how we want to unpack patriarchy nowadays, mm-hmm. especially when we're just dealing with the idea of the emotional capacity of men, the space that we give them to actually express their emotions. Yeah. Um, and so when we say men don't cry, it represents that idea of emotional suppression that highly characterizes the male experience for a long time. And yeah, man, it goes part and parcel of a lot of things about how men won't be able to talk about things like their traumas, um, things that, you know, have really just hurt them deeply. Mm. You know, they can't really also speak about sometimes their hopes and their, their dreams and that sort of thing. And so, yeah. Welcome back to your favorite podcast of all time, Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina Ishibani, and as you very well know, I'm your host doing the absolute most right here on this beautiful platform where we come to expose the elephants in the rooms. I'm talking about in the rooms. Wow, guys, it's been a while since I did this. But anyway, (laughs) I'm really talking about all of these topics, discussions, you know, the conversations that we need to be having but are very afraid to have. If this is your first time coming on, I really do hope that you enjoy it here, and I hope that whatever that we speak about in this episode is really going to impact you in an extremely positive way that you're going to take at least one thing away from it. Today, we have a very, very deep topic and I have a phenomenal, phenomenal guest here with me to unpack it. I know it's been a while and um, I'm very, very sorry. I apologize. I'm always apologizing, but you guys keep coming back. So I think something is working. Thank you so much once again for all of your support, for listening. And you know, guys, like the weirdest thing has been happening, like even though I haven't posted in like don't tell anyone like four months people are still listening to my content and i'm speaking people internationally even in south africa thank you so much for supporting me you guys and yeah it's about to get really lit i think 2021 it doesn't matter what happens we're going hard we're going big and it's it's gonna be amazing now introducing to you guys a true treasure to the nation especially to my nation the drc because that's where he comes from i'm really really bragging right now um his name is trezor mustasa kabamba and he has this amazing platform where he shares his poetry and really speaks about uh social injustice issues i'm talking social cultural issues things that we really are always touching on the surface level but I think he really interacts with the subject matter so delicately so it's like like he cuts it deep but it's not too deep for you to take so you really get the message and at the same time you're entertained and you learn something and you walk away from that a better person and I think a motivated person so what better you know what better guest to have than this young gentleman where you can find all of his creative pieces on Instagram that's deep.treasures deep.treasures now when you know the title is deep treasures you know what I'm saying you better you best believe it's going to be deep so without further ado Trezor thank you so much for coming on today what's up what's up what's up pleasure to be here now speaking of struggles man men don't cry what what are your thoughts on that topic title yeah it's um it's 
one of the most common things that we talk about when we're obviously talking about uh, um, how we want to unpack patriarchy nowadays, mm-hmm. especially when we're just dealing with the idea of the emotional capacity of men, the space that we give them to actually express their emotions. Yeah. Um, and so when we say men don't cry, it represents that idea of emotional suppression that highly characterizes the male experience for a long time. And yeah, man, it goes part and parcel of a lot of things about how men won't be able to talk about things like their traumas, um, things that, you know, have really just hurt them deeply. Mm. You know, they can't really also speak about sometimes their hopes and their, their dreams and that sort of thing. And so, yeah. Just based on what you said, I think it just brought me to the realization that um, for me, even I was of the the opinion that, OK, it's just like when they're feeling something negative. But when you said like their hopes and their dreams, I think it just brought a completely mm. different side to light, you know. So this is why this is really important to speak about. Now, this this statement struck me from this one website where I was doing research on like males and um, male trauma and, you know, toxic masculinity, etc. And and the statement goes, don't be weak. Don't ask for help. Don't cry. Don't show emotion and be brave. Do you ascribe to this definition of masculinity and why, why not? Yeah. The way we grew up, yeah, it really is something that we were expected to do. Uh, a lot of us, if we had the fortune of having a father, a lot of the time we never saw a father cry. We never saw them any, do anything that deep in the mm-hmm. sense of emotional expression. And yes, it's just part of the idea that men are expected to, you know, not be weak. They're expected to be the forefront, the leaders, the dominant. And that is the only thing that that they're allowed to be. It's the only way that they should fit into the society. What that does to the psyche when you're literally having literal trauma in your head, but you know that the society is saying that we're not going to allow you to have this, this space to actually express that, that pain. It does something yeah. to, 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 to a man's mind, you know? I have to say I ascribe to it to a degree. I suppose it's the socialization in me. And I think I'm very aware of... As much as we'll have, you know, obviously feminism speaking about, you know, men, you know, be, be more vulnerable, be more yeah, this, more this, yeah. more often than not, just like, let's think about Black Panther. Yeah. Who were people more attracted to? Were they more attracted to T'Challa or to Killmonger, right? Killmonger, I'm and not And you see lie. that, what I'm trying to highlight to you, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm uh, not even <laughs> And then if you look at, I don't know, what's think um, Twilight? It was mm-hmm. the wolf guy and the vampire. The wolf guy was the better choice, but we went with the vampire because, mm-hmm. and it's just, I'm, what I'm trying to highlight here is the idea of the sort of bad boy syndrome. You know, so many women and we love, and even gents just like aspire to be um, bad boys because they hold particular characteristics of not being weak, of being mm-hmm. dominant, of being assertive. But you must, we must also acknowledge, but those are probably also the most damaged characters that we see on screen, right? True, true. But it's also what it feels like people want. And I feel like, yeah, to a degree, when I'm working out, I'm, I'm aware, like, no, you know, if I'm big, like, mm-hmm. I know they'll feel like I'm dominant, you know, mm. they'll feel like I'm going to take up space. Um, I know that when I go into a room, if my, you know, I got to keep my back up straight, you know, head held high, you know, the crown can't, you know, fall off, you mm-hmm. know, and I have to speak with confidence. I'm, a, I'm aware that that's often desired, not just um, by women, but it's also by men to be sort of like women want that. And then men want to be that. Mm. And it really does. So to a degree, I really do feel like I ascribe to it. But I'm also very aware that, yeah, I've got a lot more depth, though. And so um, historically, obviously, a lot of poets, for example, were a lot of them were men. But to deal with emotions the way that I not just know to deal with them, but to present them and to be open about the emotions that I deal with. That's also something that's not necessarily, as you might call it, masculine. It's a bit more feminine. It's why, you know, women are saying like, no, men need to be a bit more feminine in sort of opening up their emotions. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I, perhaps I'm not 
um, ascribing there. And I like to try to uh, um, push the, the border a bit, not too much. I'm not going out to <laughs> like androgynous like outfits or anything like that. But yeah. I like to say like, yeah, girl, you know, yes, queen. Like I like to go a bit like that. And it's it's always fun because you know just get you know it's like uh I'm a bit it makes me a bit more of a character gives me a bit more dimension mm-hmm. and it's just fun and I'm just very aware you know it actually makes me think of um what's his name Toby Lou he often says this about himself he's like he says mm-hmm. like I'm a bad mm-hmm. bee mm-hmm. right um like female dog bee right yeah, yeah and I remember when he said that and he says it often and I'm like but gee you're a guy but then <laughs> the way he does it. It's sort of like he's owning it. It's like in the same way that some women would be like, no, I'm a king. Instead of saying queen, they'll True. say I'm a king because they know that there's power in those archetypes of like of male energy. Mm-hmm. I feel like men can also take some some inspiration from female energy. You know, I, I mean, there's plenty of women whose energy. I'm just like, yeah, can I get some of that? Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like Michaela Cole. I'm thinking about like Shonda Rhimes, you know, with that, yes. that she's had. And, Definitely. Yeah. And, powerful women and you just look at them and you're like yeah man i want to take some of that i want to take some of that but some of that but i'm just very aware that it's sort of like a balance sometimes when i'm talking to myself about this thing because i actually think i talk to myself about this a lot i'm like i feel like i'm the evolved male i feel like i can do both of the you know the best of both worlds yep. so at least i try to what are some of the double mm. standards that you think we should address because you mentioned something and I personally was like, Oh snap. Cause I'm like, yeah, express mm. your feelings. Like I, cause I personally translated that when someone opens up to me, I believe that, okay, great. This person actually values my position in their life and they most probably want mm. me to remain in their life. That's how I understand that. So when a male doesn't open up to me, which is something that, you know, it's, it's a tall order technically for, for a couple of males, like many, Actually, I feel like, okay, if you don't want to let me in, like if you're not going to make me the exception, then clearly this is not going to, you know, this is going to fly anywhere, like friendship, whatever the case may be. But then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, be that, you know, killmonger. And I'm like, snap, you can't. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. (laughs) In your expectations, because at the end of the day, this is a person, like you said, you know, you need to, like there's depth, there's dimension to this person. They're not just... A stock character you know what i mean uh that's exactly it i think that's the heart of it it's it's just that there is a, a, a really large double standard and we'll probably get into it when you know we talk about the, the piece that you're going to play um of mine that you're going to play i noticed something i was like if a man hits a woman on screen in a movie in a series oh my word that's an abuser right mm-hmm. but then i was like but when a woman hits a man and often what it's just like a slap right true we always like no no she's just emotional oh no that man did something yeah. And I'm like, I realized slowly but surely, I was like, no, that's physical assault still. Exactly. Um, and I was like, what was shocking for me was I never knew that. Um, but because I was watching more and more as I was seeing things like, for example, I at least know in America, I haven't searched it up here, but it was an idea that I was planning to search up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very rare that a man will be able to, to get custody of his children because it's always assumed that the woman is the, can be the truest caretaker of the children. That's, that's um, Same thing like for yeah. alimony. Mm-hmm. it's always expected that men men are supposed to be the ones that eventually even though you go through this whole court process mm-hmm. it's still expected and you often get the result men are supposed to be the providers therefore hence you know yeah. it's just like that sort of thing of you must you must provide so you must pay this alimony you know i think um there were people who obviously for example adele uh she got divorced and her husband got so much money <laughs> so much 
And so many people were like, oh my gosh, that's not feminism. How mm-hmm. dare you? That's not okay. But I'm like, this is what happens to gents all the time. Yeah. Like Jeff Bezos. Like they said that the richest woman is Jeff Bezos's ex-wife. Yeah. Simply because she got that money. Obviously she was working with him and mm-hmm. she was, you know, she had a high position, but she divorced and she got money. And yeah, it's just sort of that double standard. Um, and then there are obviously various others, but you'll hear like a lot of the rhetoric of, yeah, men must be more vulnerable and everything like that. And then when we're vulnerable, we often have many instances of gents who are traumatized because although women are asking for us to be more vulnerable, the question is, are they also capable of holding that, that vulnerability, mm. right? I remember watch, not watching, um, my friend, I think a few days ago, she sent me this tweet and the, the lady is speaking about an, an experience she had with this gent. Maybe he was crying or something, but he was speaking, he was very emotional when he was being open and vulnerable with her about how his financial situation wasn't that great. Yeah. The way that she presented that tweet, though, when the way she told the story, it was very clear she didn't respect him. She didn't respect the fact that, oh, my word, you, you don't have money and now you're crying in front of me. Oh, please. Then you see the comment section and the comment section was so... It was almost revelational, but it made so much sense. I felt like it represented what society looks like. You had men and women. You had a lot of women being like, uh-uh. Meanwhile, he's crying about how his lost girl left him because of this situation. But you're thinking of leaving him as well. You know, yeah. that sort of energy of like, there's no respect for him being vulnerable in that moment. And then what do you see the gents saying? They're like, uh, you see now, you know, you have a lot more peace when you realize women don't care about you. Oof. As you're going a lot, you're getting really deep there. What do you mean? Yeah. And people, and that's, that's what you see there is a lot of women who don't understand the weight of a male's vulnerability. And then you have a lot of gents seeing this trauma occur, knowing that they can't say anything about it. Because even if they say anything about it, how do they know they won't also be ridiculed? And then they just become, as you, you know, we become savages, you know, yeah. that's the it's savage culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I got hurt once. Okay, I'm going to hurt everybody else. You mm. know, you know, no ties, no heart. I don't need nothing. And that's sort of what happens. And you, you have a calcification of the separation between the genders like that, when we just don't understand each other. As I said, if you're going to ask for vulnerability, you must also be like, am I ready to hold this vulnerability? Because mm. obviously you saw in that situation, there was people who are laughing about it, making jokes about it. Some like because they are so unfamiliar with a man like being opening up, like they will get angry at them or they respect them less. And True. these things really hurt me. It, it like damages our psyche. So we'd be like, they'll be like, ah, but you said you want a vulnerability, but they don't, they, they don't want that. And I think we must also acknowledge for gents as well. Gents were not taught how to exactly deal with our emotions the same way women are. Mm. So there's also an aspect of maybe you're oversharing. Maybe you should have waited. Maybe you should have given them more time before you spoke to her. Obviously, her, that lady who went on to Twitter, that's the wrong way to have done it, to have ridiculed the man in public. But it, we must just say, what's the part that men can do in you know, being more emotionally like, competent? It's not just being aware of their emotions more, but also knowing when and where to present it and how much to present. Absolutely. Um, and, and that takes education as well. There. Exactly. So, like that's um, like so secondary that's things, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's exactly it, man. That's why I think a lot of double standards exist. There's still a lot of that patriarch that when we say patriarchy still affects men. I think a lot of um, people can say that. I'm not sure if a lot of them understand how exactly, you know, I don't think they really understand, you know, how we'll be like, oh, no, women's mental health is so increased and everything like that. But we won't talk about the fact that more men commit suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like we're not balancing out enough. You're, as we said about the, the said, as I started earlier, the thing about alimony, the thing about um, child courts and 
all these various things, how men are expected to do more dangerous jobs as well. And it's just trying to understand that feminism does include men, although it doesn't feel like it. It feels, you know, it, it can often feel like it can be hard for some women. True. Um, some, you know, some are a bit just, uh, just, some just want to fight. When they hear <laughs> men are trash, they'll be like, wait a second, hold on now. Hold on now. Yes. But there are others where it just feels like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men are trash. Yeah, yeah. And then it's sort of like, I almost sort of imagine the situation of all these women speaking about any sexual um, assault or criminality that they've experienced. And then there's only like some, perhaps one guy, one or two guys, and they want to say something, but they know that in that space, they feel like they are not allowed to. I've said like this, women feel like they're not heard, but men feel like they're not allowed to speak. And that's really just the way we've set up things. But um, yeah, wow. that's pretty much the double standard. Yep. That was deep. I mean, I mean, we can, we can end the episode right here. <laughs> Woo! That would be a vibe. That was, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was cool. How and when did you then realize that, you know what, this kind of manhood, for the greater part, because you did say, you, I mean, you did confess that you do ascribe to it and it's not mm. an unusual thing. It's not an unfair thing either. I mean, we all yeah. conform to the norms of society, even though they're not all pure, all, you know, rooted in integrity and everything. But I mean, we are human beings and we, we need to belong somehow. And I mean, you kind of have to change the system from the inside. So how and when did you like realize that, you know what, this kind of manhood or masculinity is, is not for me. And I actually think it shouldn't be for anyone else either. Yeah, I think it's very recent. Uh, okay. I think I only woke up to a lot of these issues very recently. I would literally say first year. That's two years ago, literally. Um, mm-hmm. First year of, of university. And just... <laughs> So <laughs> it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I come into this new environment. Now you need me to understand this is university res life, right? So I'm not going back home. I'm at res. I'm really in the university space. There's no parents, no one to, you know, will look over your shoulder. True. Um, a lot of new people, a lot of, you know, interesting people you can meet, a lot of opportunities, you know, for parties, for learning new ideas, for different types of arts. Like it's a blast. You know, different cultures as well and politics. Like, it's just a blast of of life um, that you probably haven't seen because um, we're usually insulated when we're in our high school. And this is actually going to be quite a double standard, but I'll highlight it later. But Mm -hmm. when I came in, (laughs) I came in, the amount of times that people, especially women, found it okay to call me an F-boy, right? I took it as a compliment. I was like, (laughs) ah, Now, you got to understand where I come from. I really wasn't. I really wasn't. I was like an average Joe. Okay, not an average Joe. I wasn't about that life. I was more about my academics. I didn't really have no social life. I was just academics. I was a Congolese boy. But obviously, when I went out into the world a bit with the university, all of a sudden, I get all this, you know, all this female attention, um, all this attention from gents. And I started feeling a lot of this pressure to be a particular gent, which is this F boy, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of what they mean because I also... You know, just like they understand it, but maybe they can't vocalize it. I also understand it, the the sort of subtext of what F-boy is. And so I was like, yeah, man, let me just go get all these numbers. And let me walk this particular way. Make me sure, make sure I dress a particular way. And what eventually I, I found out was that I adopted a lot of these behaviors, which didn't make me happy. 
like this thing of like oh no you must you must have minimum 50 girls numbers in your phone for mm. something like that right? with the gents i don't show no emotion fam you you know you're a player you're savage you have no heart man you yeah. just get what you want and you take what you want and you leave you know what i'm saying and this is basically the first half of my uh, my first year i recommitted my life to christ the the second half of the year but during that first part of the year i was a mess so i was <laughs> in this sort of toxic masculinity cycle Mm. of just trying to be something that I wasn't and trying to live up to expectations of the society around me because this is what they push on me because yeah I know you're a good looking guy you're a smart guy because listen when I'm out here they be like you know a girl ask me my name be like my name is Trezor you know what I'm saying it's already foreign and they be like what you studying I'll be like medicine they be like <laughs> and then and then already um you know I'm tall you know I'm fit so all these things and so I have a particular thing put on me right Mm-hmm. a particular expectation put on me to be a particular thing and i was trying to be that for a long time but it made me so unhappy and the only reason that i i even wanted to be something that the society wanted me to be was because i didn't appreciate what i was i didn't appreciate the identity i already did have i didn't want to nurture that and so that was when i really understood like oh my word there are certain expectations of being this particular type of man that it seems to break you down and it's to fill up the space that is to fill up it's often to the social the social expectations will fill up the space that you haven't filled up with self love and Oof. so that's really what it comes down to cuz i feel like we can really see it with you know with a lot of these especially artists we say famous artists i can't really think of one maybe we say donald glover and all these people mm-hmm. you can see that they have a particular way of speaking about things where they're not necessarily always trying to release music all the time now even Kendrick Lamar for example J Cole they're not trying to release music all the time anymore they're not trying to be have all the jewelry and dress all nice 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 they know where their value lies and it's not in how many likes they can get how many subscriptions how many you know albums they can you know get sold they know that their value lies within themselves now you see J Cole out there with his dreads and he wears whatever in a bio <laughs> and you see Kendrick Kendrick has released in, in some time but because he's 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 an artist he's not just trying to be um a chart topper he's trying to be an artist and so he cuz he appreciates his value he appreciates his work he appreciates what he's trying to put and, and develop in himself so he's taking his time with making that and donald glover donald glover is also on that thing of he, he just wears whatever he's got that big beard and he's got yeah. his hair all like that and he's still making beautiful music but he's being more you understand that the people who are more down to earth now because they've touched stardom but now they understand that it's not all that worth because you can you can touch the stars but it doesn't mean you'll you'll have any warmth there the mm. you're going to find is going to be down on the earth with other people understanding that you are no better than anyone around you and understanding that you can set yourself and in the context of proper humanity that you're not a perfect being Mm. after that stardom tries to make you perfect and an idol but you realize that no 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 i also have you know fleshy feet so i'm also a human being and i need to care for myself in that way so that's pretty much my experience of that and and sex was quite beautiful because the second half of the year was when i literally met people met gents who created relationships with me that i was like oh my word i thought you weren't allowed to have relationships like this for example i found a I got a mentor. So as I recomm- I was trying to recommit my life to Christ, I was feeling a, a feeling more of a calling to go into a small group in the church. I was yeah. one of those person who goes in and out of the church and whatever. I went for, for my first small group. It was poetry. I remember feeling like, "Oh my god, God, you're doing too much" because mm-hmm. I was very shocked there was even poetry in a church. Mm. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't think that thing that could be a thing. So I go to this evening and I meet this homie, his name um Kondani Nashe. Uh he was my leader. So he decided to mentor me and there was the depth of friendship of emotion the depth of vulnerability 
the encouragement for my dreams, the help that I could get for my past as well. It was crazy. I didn't know men could have, a, you know, relationships like these that were, were that were deep and that were meaningful mm-hmm. and that, were, that could be long-standing. He he always says this thing of like, "Yeah, guys, we're gonna be at each other's weddings." And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be. I'll make sure I'm that loud guy at the wedding. Yeah. Uh, that shows you such a beauty of what men's relationships were. And that completely changed my perception. Yeah. It was basically first year. First year, having the first half literally being within that toxic masculinity. Then the second half, seeing the exact opposite of that. And so the entire year really challenged what toxic masculinity I still embodied, what mm-hmm. I had embodied as well. So it was first year, I can say, that I really understood this ain't, this ain't for anybody, especially yeah it hurts people especially because there's a difference between saying that you need to be the strong person and you forgetting that even if you are the rock for other people even the rock has the ground beneath it to support it you know you can't force yourself to be something all the time because you can't be perfectly strong yeah and that's there's no there's no shame in that that's why we have other human beings you get me we mm-hmm. have other people to support us so even if you are the strong person all right you're not going to be the perfectly strong person. And it's okay to accept that. A lot of the time when we're trying to be something else, is, as I said, it's literally because we can't accept ourselves as we are. That we are human beings and that we don't need to live according to these uh, constricting standards, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. That brings me mm. to this question then. How does this kind of behavior begin? You know, like, where did it start from? I mean, from your personal experience, you experienced it and... Can you sort of pinpoint where, where the chain of toxicity began? I think if I went from the spiritual, you speak about from the fall um, and how, you know, sin came into everything and it, 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 perverts, it perverts everything. Mm-hmm. I suppose if I wanted to go, I don't know, I want to say anthropological. I don't know <laughs> if I said it right, but it's interesting when you notice that patriarchy is not just in one country, it's international. Mm-hmm. And so it makes you think, I'm like, okay, Often we try to try to identify these things. We'd be like, okay, is this social or is this biological? Um, mm-hmm. Usually, you know, sciences don't involve no spiritual thing, but, you know. So is this, you know, biological? Is this social? And when you change the, the social environments and you still see these structures existing, it tells you, oh, perhaps there's a, a bit more of a strong biological component. But what you find is the biological and social component of, for example, the standards upon men and women, it, it varies from society to society. There are many societies where women could actually be the leaders and everything like that. Yeah. I know, for example, like the Mongols, obviously they had the Genghis, the Genghis Khans, the Khan dynasty lineage, and those are the leaders and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But women had a very big um, role. They literally, because the Mongols didn't actually have a homeland, they were a nomadic sort of people. Yeah. The people who were in charge of moving the entire thing and leading the entire, like you might call it the entire settlement to the new area was women. And that's a huge charge just to put on women, for example. Absolutely. And there, there was, there's no assumption of, there's no, you can see already there. They're not thinking, ah, no, she can't. Now nah, she can't handle things. She's not too, she probably can't handle that sort of thing. She's just supposed to handle the children and everything like that. No, you could literally move the entire settlement. They trusted the woman with that. And I think that's, you know, that you see that there's variability, but more often than not, it really is men were uh, supposed to have been the leaders and women um, stayed at home. And I suppose they, they, there may be an argument for the biological aspect, but I think there's more nuance. There was a time where the, the fact that men had a, a particular type of physicality, of, of strong physicality for yeah. things, mattered more, into the, mattered more in the economy. But as the economy developed, 
it was less about physicality and more about mentality, the way mm-hmm, that you could mm-hmm. think, your cognitive abilities. Um, nowadays, we would literally identify that your, your success a lot of the time will be determined by cognitive ability. It's like, you know, can you handle these tasks? How can you, can you handle multiple things at once? Now you have a lot more nuance um, that we can, that's what the social conversation, the social discourse is now that we can have nuance. There are people who want to just be stay-at-home moms, but now they also stay-at-home dads. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some women who want to just go all Korea, don't want to get married. And we've always had gents like that as well. What you start seeing is that you also see, I know it's, it's called the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. The Great Charter of, of Christian Liberty. Paul wrote it. I think it was, was it in Galatians. He said this. He was like, there's no longer slave or free. Speaking about how there's no longer rich or poor. The last one, he was like, uh, there's neither male and female for we're all one in Christ. Oh, you know, the first line is Jew or Gentile. Then the next one is slave or free. And then the yes. last one is uh, male and female. And I thought that was so interesting. I was like, okay, what's the first one? Jew or Gentile? Religious reconciliation. Mm. It's like, okay, all right. And then I saw the second line, I'll say slave or free. That's economic reconciliation. You know, that's people who are rich and poor. So slave or free. Um, And then the last one was male and female reconciliation. And I was thinking, I was like, oh my word, if we have reconciliation via economics, via religion and via agenda, like what problems would we have? And I thought that was so crazy. I thought this really is the representation of what, you know, Christ wanted was that he opened the space up for us to not just be defined by social expectation, yes. but also by our given identity. And that's what, you know, Jesus did. He opened up the space. Like he um, always spent his time with people who were always rejected and said, who weren't part of the social expectation, people who are outside of that. Yeah. But he made those people family, you know? Mm. And so it's that sort of idea that we can become more acquainted. We, become, we can become closer with the things that make us different. And we can celebrate that and appreciate that and, really come together as human beings i, I totally forgot what your question was, what was your <laughs> forget question? forget the question i think we can all agree that that was okay well yeah that was enough that was more than enough okay sure. but you, I, you definitely I, I, didn't answer I, my question i, I mean let me stop there I, I holistically can... if i if i might add no but honestly i mean yeah. many of your pieces yeah. now getting into your pieces because i think we can we can all agree and we've established mm. that your your poetry being um birthed by by your reconciliation with god you know giving your life back to christ has become i think an integral part of who you are yeah. and um i just like to touch mm-hmm. on like many mm. of your pieces that being said many of the pieces that i i think you've been inspired to write have highlighted trauma many a times you know as as a root cause mm. of negative and toxic behaviors behavioral patterns especially toxic masculinity which which features a lot and and these behaviors usually lead to like self harm you know projection of negativity onto other people or even more harmful kinds mm. of behavior and such as violence rape and various forms of abuse now what exactly yes. is that you've you've come to understand about trauma and the effects of harboring undetected or unresolved trauma that you so passionately want to share and educate us on? Oh yeah, man. I think that's I think that's everything. When I realized this like my first year, and I felt like even if you don't want to accept Christ, I felt like there was still a thing of we have a pattern as human beings. We have a lot of pain that we carry. Mm-hmm. and we allow that to carry into other things and we we have these things of hurt people hurt people i think a lot of us we've had so much of life happen onto us that it's made us passive beings and obviously life has left this 
like massive footprints, many footprints of pain, of trauma and all these things within us, right? Absolutely. And so I know that definitely the truest way for us to live, to live fully, because when you're a passive being, you're essentially a zombie, you're yeah. a walking dead person. And especially, let me go back, you're a walking dead person because <laughs> if you're literally just defined only by your past, then there's nothing present about you. And that's what mm. a dead person is, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's literally just in the past. So as that I was trying to understand this, I really understood, I was like, we need to become active beings that we don't just allow footprints, life's footprints to just be left in us, but we put our footprints in life, you know, mm. and that we become these things that where we can really just like life must know us, mm. you know, it's like must know my name, you know, yes, and I feel like there's a power that each of us hold, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I think, especially for my journey, it was because I was realizing, for example, I was getting all this female attention, all this female attention, mm-hmm. but it took me nearly that whole year to realize I didn't like the way I looked. Like I didn't wow. think I was good looking, even though everyone would be there and say, oh man, you're good looking, man, you should go model. <laughs> da, da, da. I didn't yeah. think so. And it was crazy because what did I have to do? I had to be honest with myself. I had to accept, I had to like really just be like, bruv, why don't you think you're handsome? Why don't you think you're beautiful? Mm-hmm. And you know, the way I grew up, <laughs> I was an overweight kid, so I got a lot of that, you know, teasing, bullying thing and everything mm-hmm. like that. And obviously, I just felt like I didn't build up my self-esteem as, as much as I should have. But it took time for me to realize that, oh, my word, this is what my trauma, this is what my past looks like, this is what my hurt looks like. I need to deal with it. I need to accept it. And so then that led me to literally stand in front of a mirror and be like, hey, bruv, you're beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. And I said beautiful specifically. I said yeah. beautiful specifically. So we don't say just so beautiful. All right. <laughs> we don't say, we need to say, I'm, I want to say I'm beautiful. And it was actually crazy because that was um, where I wrote this line that, lines that um, are probably one of my favorite that I've ever written, which was my self-perception turns the four corners of the mirror into the four corners of the boxing ring. I've gone mm-hmm. in through 70,000 battles with myself in the mirror. It's not even fair anymore. I don't even have my hands up anymore. Mm-hmm. Where is the ref in reflections? I remember when that entire period, I was like, oh my word, look what happens when you accept that you've been hurt and you know it's not your fault that you were hurt, all right? Mm-hmm. But it's your responsibility to continue living after. And so, you know, that was just one example and, and it made me happier. I think that was so important. It made me happier and it made me be able to live in the present a lot more. The fact that I'm speaking to you right now, like you got to understand, like I got, there's a context to me (laughs) even being here, you know? Yeah. The fact that I know where I come from. I know being, you know, as a kid, being such a reclusive kid, I was the one who read books. I was more excited about going to, to art extramurals than to going to soccer, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then leading up to various things and, you know, we can rush through, through high school and living up to people's expectations because obviously, you know, as I said, I was that academic boy. I did a bit of sport and everything like that. It was interesting. I was the black gent who was expected to be the excellent black gent, but Mm. there wasn't a lot of us, you know, for example, uh, my final physics exam, there were only two black gents that did the, the exam, you know? Mm. So there's only two of us in the whole of physical sciences. So it really was wow. important that I, I stood for something. But then I had a different new social expectation in first year. Then I start developing new things and, you know, developing things about my self-esteem, about my self-image, about my toxic masculinity, about all these various things, about just, just, I need to get through. It's just like, what are you trying to do when you're getting through all this trauma and everything like that? You're trying to find self-love, man. That's what it comes down to. That's, that's literally think, what it is, yeah. That's what it is. And so 
That's what you find. And when you start discovering that and you start really understanding what self-love is, it's like it's, you'll be start doing some interesting stuff. You know, you won't be talking to certain people because they're not your energy or yeah. you don't need to talk to people in order to feel validated. You won't be jumping into relationship to relationship. And I've been dealing with relationship ideas for a, long, <laughs> for a while now. Um, I think definitely the, the sort of violences and everything that can happen. I think um, that with, with men, especially, I was thinking this, that often we attempt to f- to fill the absence in ourselves with the presence of another and really that concept is if i'm a man and often you know especially in this country you know two-thirds of households don't have ha- fathers you know yeah and you know we have that energy of women can do everything all right but i'm just like they don't have to all right mm. and no should they because if we're going to be complaining about how there are no good men and these men are trash, then they should be fathers in the house. We should expect them to be there. All right. Yes. So coming back to that, these gents, even if you just look at the studies, what happens to a gent who doesn't have a father? Like it's literally you have an increased chance of not being educated, of going to prison and of poverty. And what, mm. does, what does our South Africa look like now, remember? Because we must remember, we obviously we know apartheid and they took literal fathers out of households, man. Yes. And so this, this leaves generational, generational effects on, on manhood especially. I know definitely there's a thing of if you don't have healthy examples around you, what you will often have is unhealthy examples around you. You'll have the older boys around you who also didn't have any fathers, mm-hmm. but they have ideas of what the social expectation of, oh, this is how you can have value for yourself. Oh, we have to get this many women. Oh, we have the, this much money and everything like that. And then you surround yourself with all these imagery and we get, you know, the various messages in hip hop of, you know, of just playing around and just, as I said, money and all these things that don't matter, everything that's outside of self-love and that's just a perversion of it or something like that mm. and that's sort of what we come down we come down to a lot of the time that we're trying to heal we're trying to heal ourselves we're trying to give ourselves purpose we're trying to just give ourselves purpose and self-love man and that's that's everything so the the reason that i understood that people needed this was because i knew i i, I had gone through it personally mm. and i thought it was so shocking like isn't it so weird you go through your entire high school your a whole first year and only at the end of first year can you look in the mirror and say, oh, I actually don't think I'm good looking. And I'm like, what were you doing like the entire time? How did you like not notice life. yourself? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like we don't treat ourselves like human beings. Like we have a lot of kindness for other people, but do we have kindness for ourselves? Like mm. if I had to project your mind onto a TV screen, what would I be watching? Would I be watching a horror movie or a coming of age movie or a, mm. a, a movie of, of redemption? Like, what mm-hmm. am I looking at? Is it healthy or is it unhealthy? Is there, is it, does it look abusive or does it look um, conducive to growth? Oh, that rhymed. So <laughs> it really is this thing of what is it about our experience that can blind us so often? And that's what pain does. And so I understand this, that me talking to people's trauma, people's pain, people's hurt is me trying to help them remove the blindfolds from um, their eyes. I want people to be able to like have watched this video and now be able to look in the mirror and be like, I'm beautiful now. Mm. I want people to literally be out here, be like, no, let me go forgive that person who hurt me. You know, let me go be happy. Let me go chase my dreams. Cause a lot of the times I don't want to chase my dreams because of my past disappointments, you know? And I'm very aware it's just to remove the blindfolds out of, you know, of people's eyes to, to remove the, 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 the blockers in people's ears and to like remove the muzzles of people's mouths. People also need to be able to speak. Yes. And so I, I consider it freedom, like really speaking about these things is freedom. I think 
it's so much importance when I say, oh, men feel like this. Woman, this is what happens. If you wanted to say like anxiety, maybe depression or, oh, difficult family or being a black person. You know, I had that thing about saying a black name right, you know, um, yeah, and the- it was just sort of these various things. And there's a freedom that we need to speak to. to we need to speak out what's going on in ourselves. And we need people who are willing to listen. And so I consider it freedom. And the freedom is in being people not being just able to see themselves, but also to see other human beings. It's crazy. When you decrease the pain in yourself, you notice that you become more human. And because you notice your humanity a lot more, you notice other people's humanity a lot more. That's the opposite message of what we see nowadays, man. Obviously, we know with social media and everything, it's polarized. You know, all you can see is the wrongs that other people have done. You can Mm -hmm. only see the enemy and everything like that. And the enemy, our enemies are not each other. You know, our enemies are particular. I know if I I would say spiritually, I would say, you know, the evil's forces and everything like that. It's the devil, man. If I want to speak about it, you know what I'm saying? When I speak about philosophically, (laughs) I'm talking about ideas that separate us. Ideas that make us feel like we can't be human. You know, mm. that we can't speak to each other, that we can't be close to one another. And it's actually interesting because everything links to the Bible. All I'm saying is the Bible is, the Bible knows everything. The Bible speaks about, uh, but it's not, not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so interesting, the, the word principalities, because a principality is just a, an area held by a prince. But if you bring it down also to another derivation, it's principle. And principalities is like, what are the principles that are popular in the society at the time? Right. Mm. And so what that is, is that there are particular ideas that are destroying us. There are particular ideas of like, for example, polarization, particular ideas of masculinity, particular ideas of femininity that are tra- that are destroying us. And when we gain freedom from that, when we gain freedom from ideas, mm. because like the, the real slave master knows that you don't need to enslave the body, you just need to enslave the mind. And so yes. that's what we're fighting. Oof. It's the ideas. It's ideas that you can't speak. You can't be vulnerable. You can't be weak. You know, you can't be these things. But I'm like, no. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. And you're going to find freedom. um, And you'll be able to see your humanity more in others as well. That's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope to see you back here. Same time, same place on Friday. That is Friday, 6 p.m. for your normal serving of your favorite podcast of all time. Thank you for joining me back on this journey as we take over the world one conversation at a time. Africa, let's keep talking. Keep the conversation going and keep in touch on Instagram. That's Sakina Speaks underscore. You know where it's at. Take care. Stay safe. Sakina has spoken.